Pizza Noir by Denver Day, Book 3, Chapter 9. Firecrackers. Detective Thompson called it quits on hanging out with his colorful new group of friends, at least for the time being. He said his ideas to Carrasco and Lopez and stepped by the station before stealing away to his apartment for what he hoped would be a 24- to 36-hour weekend of R&R in his cluttered but peaceful film and book-filled apartment. His hope was that there would be some temporary quietude around with so much of the noisy crowd taking their hiatus down to California. First, though, he phoned down to Chief Detective Sam Wilson of the Oakland PD regarding the foray that was to be coming down his way from Tacoma due sometime Monday. He'd been cooperating with Wilson since the entire werewolf adventure began, and Wilson had seen and experienced much of the same weirdness as Thompson and his colleagues had, and could be counted on to be cooperative. He explained to him about the sort of support the werewolf hunters need, how they operated, and assured him that it was more or less like exterminating rats for these glowing gals. Quite the clerical duty, because they certainly had the tools, Thompson said. We're lucky to have them on our side. Otherwise, these things are just the most awful road hazard, as you are all aware, well aware. Anyway, there's a cluster of them somewhere in your backyard right now, and these girls can sense it in the air, and they want to get themselves down there and exterminate a nice-sized wad of them. Bring it on, the Oakland chief said. There really wasn't much else he could say or do, for just that, he prepared his people for additional of the ever more unusual unusualities, as Crimson had put it, come the next couple of nights. Detective Thompson took a long Sunday evening nap and was awakened by the knock of Kitty at his apartment door after her shift at MC's had ended, as the sharing of odd hours makes for odd couples. They did their usual chores of popcorn in a movie and an exchange of massages to work out the muscle kinks which were regularly inflicted by their respective career paths and content. The perennially ambient rain continued outside. Do you want to go do a quick job on some moon dogs? Just you and me, Kitty asked. It was 3.45 a.m. Are you determined to wreck a perfectly peaceful night off? He asked back. I wouldn't ask if they weren't so close, she bargained. I promise it won't take long, and then I'll take care of whatever you want for breakfast and wait on your hand and foot through the whole day to come. Bam. They put on their jackets and jeans and hopped into Thompson's sedan. About five city blocks from his apartment, at the edge of a nearby commercial district, was a storage rental business. Two of the things had been holed up there for about 48 hours. I wonder what kind of person negotiates a rental contract with actual monsters, Thompson asked. Well, they could be squatting. I'm sure there's a black market to arrange that since it's against the law for people to live in these things. But people do it anyway, and you know it all the time, she answered. Or maybe they arranged the whole thing by mail. Thompson parked in the lot on the front of the property, and they carefully hopped the fence. They quietly walked back to the area where Kitty had sniffed them out. 
This door only locks from the outside, and it's not locked. You stand back over there in the shadows and cover me. I'll knock hard, and then I'll step over to the side. And then when they come out, I'll hit them with a big blue energy ball, and we'll be all done. She instructed. Go, go. Detective Thompson obeyed, and Kitty went forth. He situated himself back about ten yards. Kitty walked over and gave five very solid knocks, then stepped out of the path of the egress. From within, there was quiet more for about twenty seconds, and then a slow creak of metal as the vertical door was slowly raised up on its track hinges. From his vantage, Thompson could only see the absence of light from within the storage area, and the occupants did not immediately emerge. Then he saw Kitty light up blue as the air around her lit up like a cloud of blue lightning. The ambient light hit, lit the entire area very well, very well, like day, and blue day, and the detective was then able to see the dog women in the shed, clearly. The targets were crouched defensively, one against the back wall then, and the other closer to the front near Kitty's side, but still more or less exposed. Very little, if anything, apparently, inside the storage shed. With a deafening crack suddenly, Kitty's form flashed out in front of the egress, and everything in the area, the ground, the building, and the air, seemed to kind of bend universally or warp as her ionized turquoise aura first seemed to charge up in a sort of wave and then a pulse of energy arced from Kitty's outstretched palm to the target by the door grounding the monster to Kitty's transcendent energy source she charged again this time hitting the other one with the same kind of pulse except this one was a rich swirling orange and lavender when she switched off her first target and began targeting the second, the first target remained on its feet, but all of its fur was smoking profusely, and then the thing began to flash, pop, and crackle like going south. A few seconds later, she switched off the second monster, and then the first one burst into a sphere of amber flames and tipped and fell, and the second target had begun popping and crackling and smoking by that point, and soon it also burst into a swirling fireball. <laughs> 